0: Is film like milk? Yes. It's got culture in it. And it's. Mm. Damn it. <laughs> Whole milk, skim milk,
1: medium milk. I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk Could me? Could you milk me? Hi, and welcome back to Age Like Milk, the podcast where we decide if a film has gone bad in the mind fridge of your mind. I am one of your hosts, Paris Herbert Taylor, and with me, not dressed as a woman, is my good friend, David William Rogers. Hello.
0: What's up? I think I would look pretty good dressed as a woman after watching these two gentlemen. Yeah, I mean,
1: any wig will work on you because you've got the dome for it. So (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) A little grease on there, slip it on. Some super glue, whatever, you know, whatever works. Um, Well, David, on that note, what is the film we are doing today?
0: The film we are doing is Some Like It Hot, 1959. We're going back in the day. It's directed by Billy Wilder. Writing credits go to Billy Wilder and IAL Diamond. Um, Also, Robert Throwin and Michael Logan. And we can talk about this because this movie is based on previous movies um from like the 1930s uh the story and this stars marilyn monroe is sugar Cane, tony curtis jack who Lennon. sorry just kidding uh yeah she's <laughs> never heard of her she's been around she's she's been in a few things uh pat o'brien joe e brown um this movie i'd never even heard of what and i hadn't seen it yet had you seen it
1: uh, actually, even though I'm like, what, I feel like I saw bits and pieces of it. Cause when I watched okay. th- through all the way through, I was like, oh, I definitely thought this was a different Marilyn Monroe movie during, during the pandemic. I went through a bit of a 1950s movie, 1960s movie yeah. binge and did not watch this one. I think probably cause at the time I had to pay for it and I was being cheap but it's it's on HBO which is great
0: and just hit it so that worked out for us um but Billy Wilder also did Sunset Boulevard which we did we saw that movie in that park and we did we We went to an outdoor movie experience yeah yeah
1: I'd do that again I think this summer we should do more of that um well since you had never seen it I think you should do the quick synopsis because it's always funny to hear a fresh newbie take
0: (laughs) okay so all right so you got two guys who um are in a band and they are kind of down on the log they're scrapping for dimes and nickels trying to find the next meal they're playing this um this mob kind of hideout during the prohibition days the place gets raided and they got a dip They're looking for jobs, and they find out that (laughs) this office is looking for an all-women's band. So they're like, okay, let's do this, Jack Lemon saying. We can get there. We can go to Florida. So they go find this car that they were going to borrow, and they say the same mobsters who are running the... uh, you know, the um, the bootlegger. They shot up a bunch of people. It's kind of like the Valentine's Day Massacre that Al Capone did. So they take off. They actually dress up as wigs. They get the job in that woman's band. They go down to Florida, find out that um, one of them starts falling for Marilyn Monroe's character who plays the ukulele and is like the lead singer for it. The mob ends up going to Florida. They find them. Um, all hell ensues. A bunch of other people get shot. Um, Tony Curtis and Jack Lemon make a break for it. Marilyn Monroe finds out that Tony Curtis uh, isn't a woman. It's actually a man uh, falls for him and they ride off in a boat into the sunset. And that's the that's the quick and short of it. But we'll get into more details.
1: Great synopsis. I mean, you distilled it. There's a lot of things that go on. Mm -hmm. Um, Can't wait to talk about it with you. But before we get into it, we do have a guest on the podcast, which is awesome. So we are joined by Evan Romansky today. Hello, Evan. Hello. As he takes a sip from what I assume is a beer.
2: It, is, it, it, might, it might be a beer. It's not tea. It might
1: be a beer. <laughs> I have a tea. Yes. Okay. Well, you know, Evan deserves a beer because it is the writer's strike. And uh, I mean, maybe it would be when the podcast comes out. But as as Fingers of recording... Crossed. Yeah. It is The Writer's Strike. So Evan, I have your bio here and I sometimes find it funny to just read it out loud because it's kind of embarrassing to hear yourself that you wrote about yourself. It's so Evan is the co-creator and executive producer of Netflix's Emmy and Golden Globe nominated series Ratched. Is that how you say it? Ratched? Ratched, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's how I would say right. it. it was tri- like, yeah, he's so Ratched, um, <laughs> which came out in 2020 and stars Sarah Paulson, a graduate of Ohio University and Loyola Marymount university i'm sure i'm saying that wrong evan has sold Got projects it. to. i did okay yeah. well evan has sold projects to amazon and make ready studios and is currently developing with jason bateman's aggregate films as well as margot Robbie's lucky chap entertainment people from my southern hemisphere world evan welcome to the pod
2: thank you for having me this is uh this is really awesome and i'm excited to talk a little some like it hot
0: evan's yeah. also a very deadly three point shooter for anybody that wants that kind of smoke. I was <laughs> gonna and I play ask basketball together. How
1: you guys knew each other. So from the basketball league in mm-hmm. the hood. Uh,
2: the... From from the hardwood, oh
0: yeah. Yeah, from the hard hood wood. Uh, we played in a couple of them together. So <laughs> oh, nice. but very he's 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 got that jumper. So I did a lot of drives. It's game, all I can, it's of, all I can of, do. David does a everything.
1: I need to come out to a game. I keep threatening to come and support. But the thing about me as a supporter is I'm very vocal, even if I don't understand what's going on. And I haven't played basketball really since high school. So I'll just be out here really fucking aggressive if oh, I do come. We'll, <laughs> we'll take it, it. I'm trying yeah. to get
0: him in the West Hollywood League that starts okay. in June. Okay. So.
1: Well, yeah, we'll, yeah, I, uh, we'll get, I'll get yeah, there. We'll talk yeah, about yeah, it. We'll talk about it. it. I mean, i will see. We'll see how much time you have on your hands with the strike and such. Yeah, yeah, I might have nothing but time to play some (laughs) basketball. Yeah. Well, okay, so that's cool. So you guys met through basketball. I was going to ask how you know each other. And then Evan, I mean, this is an entertainment podcast, sort of first and foremost. We would love to know how you got your start in the business. I feel like the origin story is always a fun one.
2: Yeah, my my path uh, is very different. Um, and how it usually goes. I got I got very lucky in my last semester at Loyola Marymount, where I was going to film school. Uh, I wrote Ratchet uh, as a pilot, really writing it just purely, you know, thinking I'm trying to just get a manager. I'm trying to get an agent. Um, it was based off One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest, based on the Nurse Ratchet character from the movie and the book. Um, and I had really wanted to write something just with a recognizable title that representatives would be enticed to read. And I had a real um, opinion on on kind of how I thought she became the way she did in the film, which was, you know, one of the most cruel and identifiable villains in film history. Uh, and I really loved that she, she was able to be that without us knowing anything really about her. And so it kind of really gave me creative free reign to kind of come up with whatever I wanted uh, in terms of her backstory. And so I wrote it my last semester at Loyola Marymount. I got in touch with a manager right out of school named Jacob Epstein. Um, He was a phenomenal manager and he just loved the script. And He's like, we have a 0.001% chance of this ever getting made, but he's like, let's, let's go for it. Why not? And, uh, so within a couple of weeks he had it with Michael Douglas who produced the original movie and, and they were on board and, uh, and they were going to help get us the rights from the Ken Kesey estate. Um, that was being controlled by the Saul estate at the time. And, uh, and so we got them to kind of come on board pretty quickly. And then we got Ryan Murphy involved. Um, and yeah I kind of just Sarah Paulson is
1: his muse I was like Mm -hmm. oh if Sarah's involved I wonder if Ryan's involved
2: yeah yeah Yeah, Ryan Ryan was our showrunner and uh yeah it was it was a really amazing first experience of course Uh, I mean as fast as everything like happened like it still took I mean four and a half years to actually make Mm -hmm. it to air so I mean this industry just takes time
0: yeah it's a great show though um Great writing. Uh, my girlfriend was watching a little bit with me. She was like, "Oh, the lighting's fantastic on this," uh, which was. Oh, that was cool. Oliven, obviously. Uh, yeah, well, I'm just saying yes. how they how she they got play to set the early and just um, <laughs> setting up lights. <laughs> but also, um, Judy Davis uh, oh, really so jumped out for me. I I'm a, I was standing her watching that whole watching the whole thing. It was really good.
2: Hey, we had a, yeah we had a couple Aussies on set. Judy Davis and Alice Engler. People do tend to like Nurse us. Yeah. We're, uh,
1: you know, we're cash. Where we 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 get it done, but we're we're gonna do it in flip flops sometimes, okay. and then we're gonna have a barbecue <laughs> afterwards. Nurse um, Dolly
0: no. was naughty. Yeah, that's
1: exciting. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Evan. Did you know? Did you know Alice Englert is Jane Campion's daughter?
1: I did not know that because yeah. the, the last names they had different. Yes. She would talk. She would like talk <laughs> about her mom on set, and then finally
2: one day someone's like, "You know, her mom's Jane Campion," and I was like.
1: What? I love that. I do love a sneaky Nepo baby. Um <laughs> although I don't know if it, yeah, Australians have Nepo babies. Our just our nepotism is like he's the biggest thing in Adelaide. Like <laughs> he runs all the vineyards. Um well that's a really cool, cool origin story. I mean, I think I think a lot of the stories of the people that we talk to, it's like, I got very lucky. And it's just, it is so much about like right place, right time, which I feel like is a very key and amazing segue to this film that we are Mm -hmm. talking about. So right place, right time. Um, That's the story of the lead's lives, pretty much. Evan, why did you choose this movie? Uh, So during the pandemic,
2: one thing that i really wanted to do since we were just stuck at home and every day felt the same my wife and i my my wife like loves movies but she wasn't as big into old movies as i was and so you know she had approached me and she was like you know i want like maybe one day a week we do throwback thursday mm-hmm. and we watch you know an old movie that that you want to educate me with in terms of film history and and so every thursday that's what we would do and a lot of it you know was A lot of Hitchcock. I mean, I'm a big horror guy, so a lot of Hitchcock, you know Frank Capra and Billy Wilder, and so I had not actually seen some some like it hot until the pandemic. Although I'd known about it, and I just I fell in love with the movie. especially my wife, it's very hard to get her to laugh at a movie from that time period. Mm-hmm. And so when she was even laughing, I was like, okay, I was like, all right, I think I, I got the right one here. Got um, some here. Uh. Yeah, and, uh, and yeah, and so I just, I fell in love with the movie and it's it's one of my favorites now. And Billy Wilder, you know, obviously is known as one of the best writers and directors in, in Hollywood history. And uh, And I thought the movie really... I don't kind of fit this podcast and actually, and I wanted to rewatch it with this podcast in mind of, okay, well, how does it hold up? I guess to today.
1: (laughs) It's true. I mean, I think if you go into this movie with no expectations, David, I'm sure you felt this way. There's a few eyebrow raising moments at times. um, And then there's a larger conversation to be had about films at the time. And, um, you know, conversations that were happening in society but I don't want to jump ahead of myself let's jump in David as a first-time viewer what was the first thing that stuck out to you about this film
0: um Evan I'd say with your wife I found myself laughing a ton and mm-hmm. I love it I Evan and I were texting back and forth and I was like, I'll watch anything with Jack Lemon. I was first introduced Mm to him as grumpy old men and then seeing like the catalog of work that he's done. Um, So I thought he was fantastic. Um, Didn't really know about Tony Curtis. uh, Mm -hmm. Found out that that's Jamie Lee Curtis's dad through, Mm -hmm. you know, watching this movie and looking back into it. Um, I thought he was great. For some reason, it popped in my head that um, like in the movie The Godfather, I was wondering if, you know, Michael's cousin was like a Tony Curtis because he he has that like kind of great voice Um, but it was just super interesting um, researching this Um, but Mm. yeah I thought a ton of the parts were super funny and I was like having like genuinely laughing pretty hard um, throughout this movie
1: which is you know Evan's totally right like comedy can be a so centralized to like where you are in the world and then b doesn't feel like it could transcend you know like what's funny to us now is not going to be necessarily funny in, in 50 years especially like with terminology that goes out of date and stuff like this. So I do think you guys are correct like that the testament to the writing is in the fact that this is like just got some zingers, the pacing of it is like funny. Mm-hmm. Um and let's just talk the about the situation. Yeah. Of it, right? The situational well, humor. Let's talk about the situation that sets up kind of the, the hinge point of this movie. Now, one thing I do want to bring up, which I always find interesting about watching movies from different time periods, this movie takes a minute to get going with like where we're going, which, you know, you're nodding, Evan. David always asks writers that we have on the podcast, like, you know, do you think as a writer this would work now? And I think, Evan, since you have had a show on a streamer and I've worked on shows that have gone to streamers the first thing they say is like, what's the grabbing thing that happens in the first 30 seconds, right? Yeah. Big conversation topic at a streamer these days because unlike theatrical where people are unlikely to walk out in the first five minutes if nothing crazy has happened on a streamer, it's so easy to click out and click into something else. So did that strike you guys as the first kind of thing that like we don't actually meet Marilyn Monroe's character until like 20 or 25 minutes in, I think.
2: Yeah, I mean... Look, they establish pretty quickly two guys with a big problem. Mm-hmm. You know, first it's it's financial. It's they they have debts and they don't have a job to pay that money back. And then it spirals into, oh, we witnessed this massacre and classic, now we gotta go on the run. Um, you know, it does take a minute to kind of really get into that, but I think Wilder does an incredible job in in terms of establishing their relationship with each other um, because it is important for especially where the arc of the characters go and especially establishing Tony Curtis as, you know, this suave, very clearly womanizing, you know, very smooth with the ladies and and Jack lemon, a little more, a little more bumbling and quirky and kind of <laughs> along for the ride. Yeah. And when you're, when you look at this and, in the grand scheme of like it is a buddy comedy mm. and you need to establish the buddies before anything if you really want to sell the film and mm-hmm. so so yes that's a it's true
1: a- that's a fair point i will say you know yeah i guess i was like oh they don't even get on the train until 25 minutes which is not <laughs> yeah. necessarily the point of the film as you're pointing out it's it's the relationship between the two friends yeah. and i think it i do think it gets a little lost in the weeds when the the romance sub like uh, threads come through and yeah. maybe that's where I was like oh okay but you're right like they do a really good job of setting up the life and the gangsters and you know it wouldn't hit as hard necessarily if they just sort of skimmed past that I yeah think. I, I
0: yeah. thought that part grabbed me just the relationship Um you can tell off the bat that they're just kind of like a couple of funny dudes that you mm-hmm. probably know people like that in your life when they're you know they're looking out and they see the cop and they're like fuck it's, it's time to go they're guys putting so yeah yeah let's, let's get the hell out of here um, and they you could tell that they keep running into trouble and then I was thinking like it's such a for Jack Lemon um, Jerry and Daphne. It's like, why are you still hanging out with this guy? Because Tony's like, yeah, (laughs) and then we'll take your instrument and we'll sell it and we'll get money. I got I got it's 10 to 1 on this dog who the electrician down at the bar's cousins, Eddie, said it's a it's a no brainer. So let's bet all our money on it. And he just keeps doing this. Right. And it's like, why are you still in this relationship with this with your buddy? But it's yeah, yeah. Um, So I, I thought their relationship grabbed me to start with.
2: Well, and I I also it's I I remember thinking this, too, where you got to think in context, too, of Mm. the influence that studios always have on films, especially back then. Like a big Mm. selling point of movies was gangster violence. Mm. And so a part of me thought like, okay, maybe that was a little bit more of a studio note of like, oh, we're going to suck in the audience with this shootout right off the bat that doesn't Mm. even involve our two main characters. And. And we're gonna really wrap them in with this gangster plot line, and then we're gonna totally turn on its head for the second act where we don't even think about the gangsters again until the third act. They
1: accidentally show up, yeah.
2: Yeah. So
0: he um, Wilder and Diamond, they were trying to figure out a way to make it about life or death for Tony Curtis and Jack Lemmon. And okay. they're driving Billy Wilder was driving around in his car one day, and he thought of that. He thought about like Capone, Chicago, prohibition so they set this in the um 1920s 1920s. where it was life or death because why why dress up like women you know they had to have that thing happen where they're gonna skip town yeah Yeah, and it had to be like life or death so he came up with that idea and like compared it to the you know the al capone um valentine's day massacre Mm -hmm. to to Um, make them have to go
1: okay so wait though do you guys not feel like in modern movies or modern TV, like when they went to the office to find out if there was any work going for musicians, I was like just thinking to myself in terms of the strike and in terms of streamers. I'm like, oh, an exec would be like, you have to cut this scene. Like this is, you know, you can show it with a phone call or something like that. They really do spend time, you know, just in this world. Cause I get it with the the gangster stuff, because that is exciting and everything you're saying makes total sense, David. But then they have these really funny moments like in the office with all the office girls who are like get out of here you you know schlub um yeah I don't know it just it feels like two kind of movies that stuck together but you know it it does make sense so can you
0: imagine being able to do that today just walking into an office and be like hey wow. I'm an actor can I do you got any work for me <laughs> it's like yeah. I can't yeah just even... opening
2: door after door after door yeah any work nope any work nope. yeah yeah
0: i uh i was trying to email agents and managers uh late last week and i got a kickback email i was like we didn't even read this thing <laughs> do not do do Thanks. not come yeah. yeah this door is closed like no one over here read this like yeah so it's just kind of funny just i was watching that scene and i was like oh back then you as a musician or you know creative you could just walk in do you know what hey, I What I was do you guys thinking? got for me
1: while i was watching this i was like <laughs> again like It's a silly thought that you have when you're watching movies. But I was like, man, if I could teleport back to this time, I could be so fucking rich. Because, like, (laughs) all of this, stuff they're all so silly. I mean, I know it's of the time period, but, like, yeah, the knocking on the doors. Like, you could just so easily take advantage of someone in this time period if you came Uh, back now, like, knowing all the things you know. uh, Like, things were like a nickel. You just go back with a bunch of change (laughs) for the laundry and you're fucking rich. Um, But, yeah, okay, well, let's talk about some of the earlier scenes then. There's um there's some sexually assaulty type things. There's some ass slapping, some grabbing. At first I was like this is really going to bump me. And then it kind of like, you know, obviously gets turned on its head when they become the women and they kind of see what it's like. But yeah. did that immediately stand out to you guys? I mean, I know it's time period. And it's funny to watch this movie in 2023, knowing that it was made in 1958, but that they're pretending it's the 20s. So I'm like, how much of this was like of the time and still prevalent? And how much of it is like, they're trying to portray what it was like in
2: 1929? Yeah, I mean, I, I again, like I, I had seen the movie before, and I, I definitely the first time I watched it, I mean, I think I think the first time I watched it was right, you know, at The beginning of like you know time's up movement and everything so you know was really watching it through this lens of like oh this is going to be a very uncomfortable movie um but the more i've watched it the more i've kind of come to this conclusion that like they like every male character in this movie is pervy and aggressive and um and and like there's not like a single male character that's not and so part of me is like okay like did they want like every character, male character like this, because they're going to put you know the shoe on the other foot mm. and have them in the position where, the, yeah, they're seeing what it's like from the other side. Um, and so I got like every I've just like more in tune with like every little thing that they were doing in terms of of that. Like yes, it's of the period, but also I feel like they purposely wanted to very deliberate, ha- yeah, very deliberate have every one of those instances in there.
0: I'm also wondering how much they took from the previous you know, versions of this story, right? Um, because this was made, I think, uh it's a German remake. Um mm-hmm. yeah. Uh oh, sorry, French French comedy from nineteen thirty-five. So where like guys had to dress up like women to try to like find a job and find money. So I'm wondering, you know, th- how much did they bring forward from some of these older like iterations of this story?
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, I think if you also watch movies from ni- the 1950s, there's quite a bit of, like, sexism, you know, even just, like, in the jokes, and there's a bit of grabbing. So, yeah, it would be interesting. I think, obviously, this movie's a comedy, and it's definitely, like, hyper, I don't know, magnified? Yeah. But, yeah, I was trying to think if there was a single male character that wasn't sleazy, unlike the butler <laughs> that let them into the... <laughs> into the um speakeasy in the very beginning or uh maybe the cop be- bean pole, beanstalk whatever his maybe name beanstalk. was maybe the, yeah yeah
0: because
1: even because even
2: like the bellboy and the young so bellboy in the hotel yeah. is like yeah, all to over him. tony curtis
1: like, and feels like he's like entitled to her time he's like we'll go on a date and he's like what the yeah. fuck like, hey yeah.
0: sweetheart
1: <laughs> me yeah. and you i don't right? need a tip yeah, yeah. exactly
0: <laughs> i got a tip for you I mean, listen I- listen to this podcast with uh uh, I think it's David Sedaris and he was saying like in another country they call like pervs like sex pests and yes. I was thinking about yeah there's a lot of sex pests in the- <laughs> it is it's <laughs> a very <laughs> British term yeah, yeah. okay lots yeah. of sex pests yeah, in, this in this movie
1: yeah I wait I wanted to go back one second also sorry something I was thinking about is that You know, we don't meet Marilyn until 20 minutes in. And then also, I don't know if movies these days are allowed to start on the not main character. You know how they kind of like slid through? Sorry, that was just like a side tangent question. But I kept thinking like, who's the lead because of the toothpick guy and then like the cop and anyways. Uh, Marilyn Monroe's
0: first, from what I read, is definitely the lead. So she was having some issues at this time um, with drugs and alcohol. And Jeez. even things like, oh, where's the bourbon? Like some of her takes would take 50, 60 times, right? Wow. And they, they ended up putting like her, for one scene, putting like, you know, three or four words, which was her line, on a drawer so that she could get it down. And they were saying that Tony Curtis and Jack Lemmon had to be perfect every single time because no matter what, they were going to use Marilyn's best, mm. uh, best scene, right? So if Marilyn has to do forty, Jack and Tony have to be they perfect every single time, one. exactly, yeah. Yeah. because they're only going to be able to use that one good one that Marilyn finally nailed down, which is that nuts.
2: That is. That's interesting. Did you got Did you guys see Blonde? I did not see it,
0: but I've. I haven't seen it. My girlfriend watched it. She said it was kind of hard to watch. And then I heard some other yeah. people saying it was kind of hard to watch. I wouldn't but, say I'm
1: boycotting it, but I'm not like rushing to see it. I've heard yeah. the same stories from David where there's like a really fucked up scene from her vagina that I'm like, yeah. you know what? I'm like giving I think the I'm president
0: okay. head or one of the Kennedy's heads. I, I heard that. And it sounds like she dealt with a lot of trauma with men in her life, important yeah. men.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and I—I ha- I mean, I haven't seen it either. But the reason I brought it up was because I—I I think it was during like the Oscars, though, when they showed like the clip of Anna D'Armas, like, mm. like playing Marilyn. I'm pretty sure it was the scene from this movie. Mm. So uh, very clearly, like they, like, because it's when she's singing, uh, "I want to be loved by you," yeah. and she's like very clearly having a lot of issues. Um, mm. So I was, I was curious. If I'm gonna watch it, it now
0: after watching this, and yeah.
1: I yeah. don't think I am, but it's you gonna know be you know how it's it yeah,
0: I'm gonna have to watch it like on a day I'm not in the greatest mood. Like <laughs> it just kills my happiness. Yeah. But
2: <laughs> well, it's I, it's really it's really sad too because her character in this in this movie talks about just how mistreated by men yeah she had been in the past. And so yeah, you always wonder how much of, and how she of reality was bled dropping
1: in yeah, if she got caught with booze one more time, like Yeah. All of that stuff is too real. Well, no, I mean, yeah, she's clearly, well, it's funny that you say she was clearly the main character, because I would say that the guys, because it is, you know, it's like what I was saying earlier, it does feel like two movies sort of sort of sewn together that it does work. But you do have the buddy cop thing. And then you do have the Marilyn, you know, being mistreated and just wanting to find love. Um, I wanted to bring up that I think it's interesting that almost everybody in this movie at least the main characters was not being authentic and what that means for the characters because you have Marilyn you know uh, I guess she's kind of being inauthentic she's you know putting on her best foot forward for this millionaire yeah. who's not real yeah. and then you have the two mm-hmm. guys that are you know playing the women so let's talk about that what were your thoughts on the uh the foundation of these relationships, which wasn't (laughs) super authentic. What do you think,
2: Evan? I mean, I I think like it's clearly intended for their arc as characters. Um, I mean, when you think about it, like each of these characters is, they are lying in some way or another. And they all begin in this place of lust and superficiality. Um, I mean, even you know, kind of down to, I I feel like the only like real authentic character is probably Osgood, who is like creepy and like pervy, but like he just is who he is. Like he's not lying about anything. (laughs) But each each of the characters though, ultimately arcs into this place of finding love, like no matter the lies or the deception told, or as we'll get into like even the gender, like they found connection with another. And it's interesting that you actually said that that marilyn monroe is the protagonist i always thought of it as tony curtis just because i feel like he has the biggest arc um of of all the characters which is kind of what i always you know relate to the protagonist but um but yeah i mean it's it's a movie about being inauthentic until you find out your authentic self on your own coming
1: full circle to your true authenticity Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i mean the the millionaire deception I think that's a trope we've seen before, and I think it's just a funny additional layer on top of everything else that's going on. Um, he pulled it off very well, like getting to the boat. I was very anxious for a hot second when the guy was like walking along the pier. I'm like, oh my God, he's going to get caught. Yeah, but they were just good. in the nick
0: of time. I, I think if Marilyn Monroe isn't like a gold digger, um, for me personally, this movie doesn't really work. Like how how it did, because if she's just you know just down on her luck, mistreated by men, and then this guy like Tony Curtis fucks with her, Jack Lemmon fucks with her, um, you know takes her trust, throws it out the window, and then she just finally and then she just jumps in with them at the last minute. I'm I'm like ugh, she's she's not very smart, but with her you know having an angle too, just like everybody else in this movie, it makes everybody yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah.
2: Can I just say I love the – I've always loved the symbolism of uh, of Tony Curtis when he's taking Marilyn Monroe to the yacht and he has to go backwards because it is like it, – it's <laughs> like a book. reflection of the very backwards way that he is courting her mm-hmm. and, like, mm-hmm. how he's eventually almost, like, going to, like, fall in love with her. It's very backwards in how he's doing it.
1: <laughs> and I just think, is- I just
2: think it's such a brilliant – little touch
1: yeah that is good imagery i like that uh yeah the the boat scene you know there was potential for it to be quite creepy it wasn't obviously but i did think it was funny that he was kind of tricking her into giving him kisses and stuff and i was like oh you know he's like no one can even the finest doctors and it's like challenge accepted can't figure me out manipulates her into Uh, these things sort of emotionally
2: yeah it's a weird it's a weird way where it's like it's like she comes across like as like the the physical aggressor like but he's manipulating her mm-hmm. so it's like yeah it's and yeah, at the same dirty, time
0: dirty, yeah. yeah and at the same time she wants to do it because she wants that, oh, money. that money bag yeah. yeah and she wants that security so it's like Like your, your alarms are going off in your head. It's like, this dude is fucked up. I can't believe he's, you know, doing this for him, for her to sleep with her. And then you're like, oh, wait a minute. She's only there because he has money. She
1: thinks he's a millionaire. Yeah. Yeah. But,
2: and then again, at the same time, like, this is why, like, there's, there's so many things in here. Like, yes, for the time, like, like in our time now, like we look back and yeah, it's very like, oh, like how much were they really thinking about this or like that. But like they very purposely break up that scene by intercutting with one like my favorite scene ever of, of Jack Lemmon dancing with Osgood mm. in the most like innocent and like playful way. It's almost like they were like, yeah, we know this is kind of icky, and we're going to so make it funny. Yeah, we're going to make it funny. I love what we're they gonna did with the camera,
0: back. too. Um, mm. It's almost like it shakes you over to the left, and yeah. Jack and Joe Brown are dancing and like shakes back. Yeah,
2: like oh, and, by, and by the time it comes back, and Jack Lemmon has like the rose in his mouth, and very clearly like embracing the moment of yeah.
1: it. Like, yeah, yeah. Like Joe
2: like has a flower
0: does. in his hair. and yeah. the band's blindfolded. Yeah, that was a great scene. Yeah, yeah no,
2: like they were very. I think I th- all that to say is like I think they they knew kind of what I don't know they had they at least had an idea of kind of like oh this is a little icky okay so we're gonna we're gonna break it up and try and subvert it with right. this more playful storyline.
1: I mean, this is a subversive movie. I think it's a good yeah. segue to talk about the Hays Code, which was a film entertainment code that existed until the 60s. So this movie came out in 1958 or 1959. And I think I was reading that the Hayes Code was repealed in like 1968. So maybe this was like pre that, which is crazy because the ending of the film, spoiler alert, fast forward this part if you don't want to hear, but uh yeah, Jack Lemmon's character tells Osgood that he's a man and he goes, nobody's perfect. And it's just the end of the film. Yeah, it's so Os- beautiful. Osgood, says nobody's Osgood perfect. sorry. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's just, you know, there's a lot of references throughout of like, why would a man want to marry a man? And there's all these like sort of jokes and winks to the audience. And then to end the film on that totally subversive line where he's like, mama, mother's going to be so happy and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and, yeah. and, you know, you see Jack Lemmon's character as well, like, being like, I'm, I'm engaged, and he's like, you don't see a problem with what's going on here. It's just like surprisingly forward-thinking, right, guys?
0: Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was great and hilarious, and to be probably in that time. I mean, it sounds like this movie is very um, successful. I think like Kansas Bandit, um, and then like one other Shock. country. Yeah, like maybe the Catholic Church had an issue with it or something like that. But I mean, yeah. overall. Uh, it's hilarious and the funny part about that line is they just put it in there as like a placeholder and then they just couldn't find anything else um, that could compete with it and they got so many laughs when they previewed it so they just kept it in but yeah it just works perfect and he's so funny just Joe Brown uh, Osgood driving that boat like looking over and then smiling and keep answering all those questions "Ah, nobody's perfect I just thought the, the, the beats of that were great
2: I mean, it's truly one of the most iconic final scenes and lines in in film history. Like, I knew that ending before I had even seen the movie, just because I I'd, I'd seen it played so much. Same.
1: Yeah. And I thought that's why I was like, I know exactly what this movie is about. Obviously, it did not. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought,
2: I mean, I thought honestly one of the most important scenes and where it really kind of the messaging of the film starts to be hammered home is. Is the day after the yacht and like the night of dancing where Jack Lemon is like like a schoolgirl like in love like shaking the maracas like talking about how <laughs> great of an evening it was with Osgood like talking about how he's engaged and oh they're gonna and like like what are you gonna do with the honeymoon he's like oh we're gonna he's like well, we're gonna honeymoon maybe in Niagara Falls like like he has like he feels like he's falling for Osgood yeah. like because Osgood is making him feel valued and special. Uh, For a character that has been kind of disregarded by his best friend, Tony Curtis, the entire movie, Mm -hmm. like is rejected in whatever advances he makes to sugar, like and Osgood is pursuing him. And like in the beginning, when it feels very creepy and icky, it blossoms into this thing where it's like, no, no, like he, he feels like a real connection with Osgood. And like for that time period for them to say like, no, like this is okay that he's that he clearly has these feelings for a man. Like that's, I mean, it was absolutely g- groundbreaking for the time. There
1: were there were a lot of nods like that. Like when the men on the balcony are like, what's up ladies? Like, you know, they clearly are like, l- like loving these more masculine people. They kind of muscular to <laughs> masculine. Yeah. Um, they even in the room, when they first get in the room, you know, there's some sort of comment about like, oh, well they'd go with anything in a skirt. And it's like, I really feel like the filmmakers were, they didn't try so hard to make them so so feminine so it is interesting Mm -hmm. i mean maybe that's just the non-prosthetics but yeah it's just it's also kind of like the guys find them hot as women like that says something you know did you
0: see what they did they tried um like they put some makeup on and i think uh billy wilder wanted them to go in a women's dressing room or a bathroom to see if they'd pass um and they did and then tony curtis was like no like that that's not enough they went to like the makeup department, put on more makeup and then did it again. And then people were like, What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> so so then they went back to the, the original. Um, I also read that they were given from wardrobe just random dresses and they're like, No, if Marilyn Monroe is getting a dress from this designer, we want one too. Hmm. And uh Billy Wild- <laughs> Wilder was like, Yeah, we we could do that. It so. kind of
1: reminds me of Tu Wong Fu with Love. No, what mm-hmm. was the movie? Yeah. What's it yeah. called? Uh um
0: too- with like, yeah, to, I w- know what to talk about, to Wong Fu, to yeah, Wong we did Fu. it, on, yeah.
1: with love from somebody. We did it on the podcast, mm-hmm. and like, you know, Patrick Swayze took his portrayal very, very seriously, and like, I John think Lin that, Guizamo yeah, and, I think yeah. that's great that that the actors at this time period. I mean, there is the chance to do it so campy, so over the top, and they did it. I mean, obviously, there's campiness and over the topness in the film, but the way they had the respect for that, that like makes me really happy to hear.
2: Well, especially mm-hmm. when you think about the era where leading men, especially at that time, it was all about masculinity and mm-hmm. bravado—the John Waynes and Humphrey Bogarts and even mm-hmm. like Jimmy Stewart's of the world, like their masculinity was like really celebrated. Mm-hmm. And so, and Tony Curtis, like I don't know if you've watched like er, like his earlier films, but he definitely fit in that box as well. And so, to have somebody like him playing a character who, you know, was effeminate—I mean, was I don't know, really, just really interesting for, for that time period. And and, I mean, from what I read, I mean, it really kind of helped pave the way for a little bit more inclusivity in film. And they said was like kind of a starting point of what ultimately became the repeal of the Hays Code.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I, I, you know, I always sort of read like sort of the negative stuff about the films first. I always start with like the name of the film problematic question mark, just to see like what other takes are out there and what other people are thinking and was like shocked to read that. Yeah, this is kind of on a lot of lists for like progressive LGBTQ because there is, you know, obviously there's some eyebrow raising things. And anytime you put a man in a dress, like it raises questions. Even I think watching it now with the, the perspective of sixty years, well, especially or to get, years.
2: especially to get laughs. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Because it's, you know, David and I always talk about punching down. Like, is this punching down? And I think this movie wasn't for me. It was, it was definitely making light of a situation but it wasn't like it didn't feel hurtful towards the queer community right
2: yeah and i actually felt like in a way like watching this i mean it's probably the fourth or fifth time i've seen it and like i never really thought about like and maybe it is because the setup does take a little bit of time but when they when like, they make the huge, the big cut from like essentially the phone call of accepting the job to them just walking the train station, like dressed as women, like it's, it's very different from, I feel like films that have followed where it's like Mrs. Doubtfire, where it's like, it's a whole sequence of Montage, him become, yeah. yeah, becoming a woman. Like, no, for like, it was just like, okay, this is the decision. Like, this is it.
0: And, and pulled up it, yeah with the wigs on, dresses on. Yeah. And it's, Feels it's going to be,
2: it's going to be more about the experience that of what, of what follows the and story actually versus
1: mm-hmm. the, this particular element. Exactly. Exactly. It also yeah.
0: showed, um, you know, their connection and their mind change on how to treat women. Right. Uh, Paris, you discussed a little bit when we started, but they really got into like, they're getting their ass grabbed by, you know, creeps and, uh, seen as an object and when they were doing a little bit of that to start the movie so I Feel like they come around and they really develop some like relationships, um, with the girls in the band. Uh, I thought that scene was hilarious. Uh, in train car number seven, On the train. <laughs> oh, I was dying, and just legs are everywhere. And they're like, Oh, you want some crackers? You want some? It's the biggest you know, party in like, a tiny bed of everything, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was cool, it's you know, because they're
1: through the whole thing, so yeah. <laughs>
0: like Jack Lemon is just one of the girls, Daphne's just hanging out, you know, doing what what the the rest of the girls are doing so i, I think it was a I sweet was moment cool i think well. they
1: saw the camaraderie because i think prior to that you know they were these like womanizer guys about town type vibes and it was really sweet to see them you know at first he's like oh of course you can lay here as long as you want and it's kind of like eyeing her up like a wolf with a, a lamb and then by the end it's like they're consoling each other and they're talking about like emotions and it's it's a beautiful scene i really mm. enjoyed that a lot yeah um yeah sorry Evan, what were you gonna say i feel like you had a point
2: no. no, if I did, I forgot it's it now. I, okay. I think <laughs> both of you just answered it perfectly. So,
1: okay, can we just really quickly talk about the portrayal <clears throat> of the Italian American community? Because um, in the beginning, there is a diner or wherever something. Oh, it's the it's the funeral home, and it's yeah. called Mozzarella's. And I was like. Okay. Yeah, that's the
0: guy's name, and I, was I know like, it is. I, I, I had, like, had to rewind okay. it. I was like, he didn't. This guy, they didn't name this guy Mozart. Yes, Rupp, they did. They one hundred percent did. Yes, and then
1: they were just yeah. like the most like stereotypical, like the spats. Oh yeah. my god, I mean, the
2: lovers of Italian, lovers of Italian opera.
1: yeah yeah they're yeah and they're all yeah i couldn't believe the mozzarella thing i was like okay and then when they were gangsters i was like okay this feels like a bit of a portrayal
0: well i mean they had to like because that's how the life or death situation happened right yeah Uh, they were gonna get killed but and they had to have the mafia and they pulled a lot of guys i think that um maybe billy wilder worked with uh wilder worked with in the past or from like other mob movies um that guy that was flipping the coin Mm -hmm. um i think I read that he was, he did that in a movie like prior. Oh, and so it's like that, a little callback. Yeah, yeah. And that's Spats I like, grabbed it. And then there was also a scene with like him smashing something on somebody's head, which was like a, uh, uh, a callback to another uh, mafia movie.
1: Okay. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it was the Tommy guns, which is hilarious. In the, <laughs> yeah, they, in yeah, the suitcase or the, the golf bag. <laughs> the golf <Yeah>. club. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, yeah, that, they were, they were
0: caricatures. Guy. of Yeah. yeah. Can you believe that guy's face though? The you guys know what I'm talking about. One of his like bodyguards, Spats bodyguards.
2: Yeah, the really Yeah, like a huge jaw. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I was like, I love this guy. He's
2: like, such a costing baby yeah (laughs) well and like i mean the fact too that they just had them not even think that spats is about to get blown away by this birthday cake that even says like my birthday's not for four months but we're going to (laughs) celebrate it early after just scolding you for what you did i know and 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 his little lieutenants are just like singing alongside i'm like oh yeah this is gonna be
1: great but then it's like is that the stereotype because of movies like this and like we've just seen it too many times or because the cake is all like how many times have we seen the cake thing But then there's a
0: mass murder and the the detective walks in. He's like, hey, what's going on here? And The the mob (laughs) boss is like, want to make a federal case about it? It's like, yes, there's eight people dead (laughs) in a room. And I know you're a mafia boss. And I I thought that was funny, like his headphone thing, too, that he kept turning up. And I don't know, like where, like, why even think of that? But I thought that was pretty funny.
2: Yeah, I mean, you I, I couldn't help but think of, like, I mean, after, you know, l- knowing about all the issues with The Godfather in terms of getting getting the mafia to agree to, you know, kind of let it continue on because they just mm-hmm. hated how they were being portrayed in movies yeah. and not think about, like, this movie in particular of, like, yeah, they probably didn't love that.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely not. It's like, It's not a great portrayal. I mean, it's, yeah. you know... I mean, the, the, this kind of raises the final thing I wanted to bring up, which is super unsurprising for a 1958-59 movie, but no real diversity at all. What are you all. talking about? It was
0: in black and white. You just couldn't tell.
1: Yeah. Sure.
2: I think there was like one train attendant. Like, that's it. I mean, it's just, yeah. I mean, there's no yeah.
1: diversity at all. Yeah, we're we're used to it with a lot of movies. Um, yeah. It's just obviously a bummer. But, you know, they were fighting so, a different fight. Minorities
0: <laughs> minorities could walk into these offices and just see where the In work was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: Uh, <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: No no diversity, so to speak. None. Zero. Not even, like you said, there was like the train attendant. But I was trying to think if there were any like crowd scenes. No, everyone was white. Everybody, uh, yeah. Everybody was white, yeah.
0: Paris, does a backtail test for Maryland, does it pass?
1: I'm a hundred percent sure it does not i don't i have i don't have to double check i can already tell it's a no because the Beckdale test is if two women have a conversation about something that's not a man or not a relationship for like x amount of minutes and there's i mean no well they do talk in the car about how she like has had a sad life but it also relates back to men so i think that's a no yeah
2: well did wait i know you were talking about like how this movie was banned in kansas did you read why no so it wasn't it wasn't for like for Jack Lemmon, Curtis, you know, mm. dressing in drag. It was actually for the way that Marilyn Monroe's character acted in the movie. As they descri- as they described it, they said that she was too sultry.
0: Ooh,
1: there was so- a dress that I was like, maybe because it was in black and white. I'm like, are her nipples right there? Do you guys know the one I was talking about? There was she one a with like a dresses, a pointy boobs that I'm like, yeah. where are her nipples? They should be like. Right beneath that line, if if my body anatomy serves me correctly. I mean, again, it's like, it's so
2: interesting, again, like the controversial stuff in this movie, like where her character is very clearly objectified and it's very sexist in her portrayal of all she wants is to do is marry a rich man. But at the same time, like for that time period, like her character as somebody, as this woman who is very free spirited and very sexual, um was not the norm at the time. Like it like it's not like she was conforming as like some kind of suburban June Cleaverish housewife like like there were a lot of issues with her character and and she didn't really have any kind of agency. Like mm. she was just very reactive the entire movie to Tony Curtis. Um at the same time like there were ways that they still kind of pushed her character but at the same time you're like this is also very clearly written by a man yeah. Like, so, so cool, much right? of her dialogue, you're just, and you're like... When, they, when he just...
1: broke up with her, and she was like, oh, I understand. I'm like, she's about to lose her goddamn <laughs> fucking mind. Yeah. I just spent all night kissing you on your yacht, and now you're going to Venezuela for an unknown amount of time? I don't I think so. I feel like
0: they did more than kiss, right? They cut away, it's nighttime, and they're pulling up. Well, I didn't see morning.
1: any fountains exploding, uh-huh. which used to be the uh, <laughs> universal sign for coming back in the day. Um, yeah. But, I mean, there's like... I mean, she has
2: quite a few lines that uh that are very cringeworthy. Like when she just, like she talks about like how dumb she is mm, and like, sad. and I, it's, it's sad. And I, I, I was trying to like, I guess I've been always trying to decipher like, like how much of that is, are there, is it the writers like trying to sell, like, how does she not see the difference between, you know, Tony Curtis as a man and Tony Curtis as Josephine, like, like, did they feel like they had to like ad- have her address that she's not smart. So like audiences will buy like why she can't tell a difference. Like, Maybe. I don't yeah. know. Like it's, or is it just complete objectification of like, or is it just Oh, this is what we want dream- disbelief. Yeah. yeah. Like this is what, this is what, how we envision our dream woman, like blonde bombshell, not mm-hmm. smart, just will do anything
1: for a man. Like, yeah. Uh, Which is, is probably,
0: that, probably that one.
1: Yeah. <laughs> is it supposed to be obvious that Batman is Batman clock? no wait that's sorry the reason i asked bruce wayne bruce wayne and clark kent and superman because we've been suspending disbelief about not knowing that two people are the same person for a long time but
0: but everybody in these movies so um so in some like it hot as well with Marilyn Monroe she's not the only one the only ones yeah. that can see it are the the mafia guys right that immediately are like wait a minute that's oh, no Oh, that's that Italian
1: x-ray vision didn't you know that's, about that that's <laughs> that's no
0: damn there. Nah, look at that let's let's open it's all up that the case that mozzarella they that's eat just <laughs> helps them have yeah. really incredible <laughs> yeah. eyesight yeah it's got that <laughs> so i think uh with this it's like yeah if all the men besides the mafia guys and all the women don't realize it you know Marilyn's not supposed to, especially, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, they do, yeah, they definitely gave her a lot of lines that made her even more ditzy, but isn't that kind of like what she was known for? I'm trying to think of the other movies I've seen. You know, she had this wispy voice. Everything was just kind of big eyes. I mean, that was... Marilyn I think um there was a very sexy shot not to objectify her even more but here I go um in the water with the bathing suit I think you saw some side boob and I was like what's up Marilyn but I was also (laughs) as a woman I was like those bathing suits do not look like they are supportive at all and I bring them back do not co-sign no we need something if you've got a chest like Marilyn had (laughs) she needed some underwire or something that's one way to get really saggy tits she even told Daphne that uh (laughs) Chess, no, it's, it's that's of chest. Chest. <laughs> that's probably
2: what got it banned in kansas let's be honest probably <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> right side then boob. and there they're like nope not on yeah. they were like side can't boob have...
1: not on my watch you can't have <laughs> nice things well i wanted to open it up to you guys is there anything else that we missed because there's a lot always in every movie glad you brought up the symbolism i feel like these movies loved some symbolism what else, For the black
0: friends? and the black and white piece, it was in Marilyn's contract that her movies had to be in color. But they talked her into black and white oh. when they showed when they showed her that Tony Curtis and Jack Lemmon in color with that makeup looked horrendous, like real blotchy. And, <laughs> yeah, so there, she she agreed to to do black and white.
1: Okay, that's an interesting factoid. We love mm-hmm. that. Can get it away is, with is. a lot in black and white.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I yeah, I don't really have. Too much else. I mean, I feel like we we covered a lot of a lot. the issues with it, but also, um, you know, I think actually, like, I think it's important to talk about, and we already did, but like, talk about like, like, objectively, we're like, we, you probably go into the movie thinking like, oh, this is going to be very offensive to like the LGBTQ community. And then you find out how actually empowering it was for them at the time and how it made them feel a little bit more inclusive. Um, and yeah, and I thought that was really interesting because that's something I, you know, especially watching it this this time through that I could actually kind of see and, and understand, like, for that time period. Like, yeah, it was actually, there was a lot of radical ideas that they, that they put Subtle, in here. Subtle, radical. To execute. Yeah. yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, great point. Well, I do want to move us along to a shout-out for the Costel crew, but before I do that, Evan, it would be remiss of me not to ask you a few more writer-industry-type questions. Um, I always love to ask... If you have advice for someone who's listening, who maybe wants to be a TV writer or a writer, film writer, you know what? What can you share from your own personal experience?
2: Uh, you need to learn how to take rejection. Um, like it is the most important thing, probably because you're going to hear no a million times and you know, I thought with how quickly, you know, Ratchet came together and, you know, being able to sell it right out of school, you know, I was always told like the hardest thing to do is to get your foot in the door. And like, oh, once you get your foot in the door, then you're in. Um, You know, and I felt like I didn't just get my foot in the door, like I I kicked the door open and I thought it was gonna be all smooth sailing after that. And I was in for a very rude awakening where it was not that at all. Uh, I mean, I've had shows that you know, just haven't sold. I've written scripts that just didn't work out. Um, You know, there's so much that's out of your control once you write a script and you put it in the hands of your reps. And then it's it's about people seeing the same thing that you do in it. And that's not always going to happen or it's not always going to be the right time. Um, So it is very easy to get discouraged in this industry. Uh, but if it is truly like what you wanna do, and I always said this even in my lowest times, like there's nothing else I could imagine myself doing than being a writer um then you know it it you just have to kind of roll with the punches and everything ebbs and flows, and you're you're gonna have some real low points, but you're also gonna have really high points and and going through all those low points is gonna make it make those high points feel so much better um and so so you just gotta keep writing and you know keep forming relationships with the right people and, and people that you trust. And, you know, you will break through just, there's no set timeline or anything like that for, for how this works. Like when your time comes, it'll come.
1: Love that advice. Well
0: put. Yeah.
1: Um, okay. Rapid fire questions. So three <laughs> rapid fires, how many hours a day do you write?
2: Oh man, that varies. Uh, I would say on average, probably three to four I don't I mean, someday, like I I had heard an exec one time talk about how writers have to write every day. And I thought that was such bullshit coming from an executive. I'm like, you don't realize how hard it is to write. Mm-hmm. And I, I always say, I was like, I think you should want to write every day, but you can't write every day. It's like we can't get out of our own heads. Like you need to take breaks, you need to find little hobbies and stuff to, you know, to kind of distract you. Like for me, like, I mean, David's playing basketball. Like, basketball is like the one thing I can do where I can completely turn off my brain and not think yeah. about writing. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, if I'm on deadline for something, like I can, I can churn out, you know, 12, 15 hour writing days. But nice. if I'm just kind of working at my own speed, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, I don't know, three, four hours a day.
1: Nice. Yeah. Okay. What's a movie that you think every aspiring writer should watch?
2: Good question gonna it's another Jack Lemon movie, uh The Apartment. I think it is probably the best written movie of all time. And another movie actually that you know really pushed the boundaries of what had been acceptable on screen before because it deals with depression and suicide and um and it is it is a phenomenally written movie and you know, my, one one of the first things my manager ever told me, like when I first kind of signed with them and stuff, he was like, "Watch the classics, learn from the classics. Like, like there is a lot of gold. And just because it's in black and white doesn't mean it's out of tune or out of touch. Like, watch it and learn from you know those writers. And I will say, The Apartment I think is is a movie that everyone should watch.
0: And that's another Billy uh, Wilder and Al Diamond movie, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's Jack
2: Lemmon, Shirley MacLaine. I mean, cast is incredible and it's nice. yeah,
1: it's it's just phenomenal. Go watch we'll the have... apartment. Yeah. Okay, final question. What is your go-to writing snack or drink that you're always like, "I need this while I'm being creative?"
2: Uh, I mean, coffee. <laughs> I I love coffee a little too much <laughs> um where what's your coffee order like what do you what's your uh cold brew always a cold brew i don't really drink hot coffee it's a cold so brew. With, you main cold vein,
1: with
0: vein it <laughs> i said so you main vein it what oh, kind yeah. of cold brew have you tried the stuff from trader joe's uh
2: no i mean i've had trader joe's coffee before but no I they actually, have
0: they have cold brew that's concentrate I like the and you mix it yeah, yeah. it like it Gets my heart racing.
2: <laughs> and I, I mean, I drink, like, I always. if I'm ordering coffee, like, going out to a spot, it's always, like, Maru or Blue Bottle. Mm. Um, but then, uh, so I'm from Cincinnati, and my wife and I love this coffee spot called Coffee Emporium in Cincinnati. And we will order bags of their coffee, and we like to grind it ourselves, and we always have it in the fridge. And, but I love coffee so much, even if I'm writing at, like, 10 o'clock at night. Like, I also have decaf cold brew that I have. <laughs> and so I'll drink decaf cold brew. Um, and no like, shame in that
1: game. I had a decaf yeah, I mean, tea, you know, yeah. just now.
2: Well, because sometimes, you know, I'll be a little too jittery. So I sure. need, need a little decaf. <laughs> Do um, you have,
1: like, a snack that you like to munch on? Or are you – coffee's, like, keeps you going? I
2: mean, it's uh, it's probably pretzels. I've always, okay. I've always been a pretzel guy. put pretzels in front of me. I'll
1: – Pretzels Just, and cold yeah. brew. If you want to get in <laughs> yeah. Evan's good books, cold brew and a bunch of pretzels. If you see them on the, yep. like, uh, you know, out there protesting, you know what to yeah. protest. The,
2: the, the extra dark pretzels are like a little burnt, a little burntness to mm. them. Uh, I like okay. a little burnt. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Do you like sweets? I'll Have you char. had
1: chocolate covered pretzels? I
2: am a sweet fanatic. Okay. It's very bad. Yeah.
1: Because I was like America. Where they take one delicious thing and dunk it in another delicious thing. Oh, my God.
0: Mm. I had some cookies and cream um, mm. pretzels a couple weeks ago, and they were fantastic. Those, the bag yeah. didn't stand a chance. I, I love- actually,
2: yeah, my, my favorite chocolate-covered pretzels are, like, the white chocolate-covered pretzels. Yeah,
0: mm. white chocolate's where it's mm. at.
1: I feel like when I'm when I'm writing, yeah, I can get into, like, a bit of a snack hole. So, like, if there was, like, a bag of peanuts beside me you just kind of black out and then you've eaten the tie bag and then you're like why does that <laughs> yeah. stomach hurt why is my face all <laughs> like shaky and shiny um but yeah it's it's interesting i think like once you're in the zone it's it can be dangerous to have things nearby it sounds like coffee is your get up and motivate thing
2: oh yeah i, I actually i mean i look forward to hopefully returning to like a writer's room like mm. on a show or something or, or like being on set but I will also say it is very dangerous because it's just endless snacks and, like, whatever food you want. And, like, on yeah. set, it's, like, they order, like, huge meals, like, every two hours. Because, you know, they have below the below-the-line workers, construction workers working, you know, doing actual physical exercise. So they got to feed them, like, burgers at 10 in the morning. And you're like, ah, I'll have a burger that's, one <laughs> That's what I always say.
1: I miss set because of crafty and not having to think about, like, what was for breakfast, lunch, and dinner because you just yeah. – They've already got a whole thing, and you're like, "Yeah, load me up with more potatoes. Great, let's do wow. it."
2: I know, and like, oh, like the candy bowl, and you're just like, mm. "Well, every time you mosey over to craft, you take like one little like Kit Kat, and then at the end <laughs> 17 of the day, Kit Cats later." Yeah. yeah, at the end of the day, you realize you're like, "Oh my god, I ate like twenty Kit Cats." I
1: mean, I guess if you're walking around set, it kind of burns it off, but yeah, it's I yeah. put on I'm a so writer, so weight. I don't really walk around right. set. Right, <laughs> I just that's sit there fair, that's fair. And absorb. All right, well, it is time to give someone from the Costel crew a shout-out because making a film or a TV show is an ensemble effort. Um, David, why don't you show us how it's done? Who have you got?
0: Okay, I went with Eve Newman, and she was in the music department. So, um, Yeah, she has got about 36 credits. She worked on Some Like It's Hot, obviously, uh, Black Sabbath, The Raven, Tales of Terror, Panic in Year Zero. That sounds like a fun mm. one. Um, but I thought it was hilarious, especially with um, Jack and Tony running around and like chaotic, and they're going for this and going for that and running from the mafia. All that music, um, and she helped orchestrate that. And it just so like in some of these big movies that we see. I'm thinking of, like uh, Interstellar. You get like the Hans Zimmer things like that. And but I don't feel like on some like you know majority of the movies I don't I don't know maybe you guys know if they have like people in the background with the orchestra and playing music or they're just having like somebody on a keyboard or something just do it you know not like a full band and orchestra so I felt like watching this movie they had you know a bunch of people playing instruments yeah. which I thought it was cool the old school it, way yeah exactly and it added to this so I, I I like that so Eve Newman we see you and we appreciate you thank we you
1: we see you and we appreciate you all right Evan who have you chosen them. All right. Uh, so, this was
2: something I stumbled upon that I'm pretty sure they were uncredited, but this was actually a really fun fact. Um, so, shout out to Barbette. Now, Barbette was the stage name of Vander Clyde Broadway, who was a trapeze artist and, as they called it in the 20s and 30s, a female impersonator. Mm. Now, Barbette would perform like these death defying stunts in drag you know, only to reveal at the end of the act that he was a man for, like, shock value. Mm. But Barbette was also a member of the LGBTQ community, and they were hired to coach Jack Lemmon and Tony Curtis in gender illusion for their roles. And I thought this was really interesting and actually, like, very forward-thinking for Mm -hmm. the time period this movie was made in. Mm -hmm. Um, And actually, that gave me, like, a little bit better feeling that there was you know a little more representation of the LGBTQ community behind the scenes of the film and uh and so so yeah shout out to Barbette. Barbet,
1: we see you and we appreciate you
0: See you who you got Paris
1: Okay I went for Polly Burson who was the only female stunt performer actually uncredited cuz I don't know why But anyway Polly <laughs> you know, there was a couple of tumbles, like the girls falling out of the uh, the train carriage and stuff like that. And I think, you know, the stunts were too crazy. I'm very curious to know if she doubled for Marilyn and if so, like what specifically, but you know, the stunts department is a, holds a special place in our hearts. And I think, especially at this time, being a female stunt performer probably was even more of a boys club than, you know, it is now. And Polly has worked on some pretty insane movies. So she would, she did Spartacus um she did El Dorado she did the last thing she did was Who's That Girl which is a 1987 movie which I haven't seen so you imagine after that she stopped but she has 56 credits as a stunts person and you know, I don't know, but I feel like sets sets were a lot less safe back in the day. So this is probably like a very dangerous role. She was in Vertigo. I mean, she was in Guys and Dolls. Like, what a badass. So shout out to Polly Burson. We see you and we appreciate you. Polly, we see you. you. Appreciate you. She's still with us? Um, It doesn't say. I would imagine potentially not. Oh, no, it does say. She died in 2006. I lied. She was 86 years old. She was born in 1919. So she did cool shit like i want to see a movie about polly yeah. like being a female stunt woman in like you know the 60s and 50s and stuff tm don't steal my idea anymore. Anyway. i was gonna say <laughs> there you go i'd watch that um but yeah so guys now you know it is that time where we do have to think about if this film has aged like milk or not evan before you go are you a social media person can people follow you do you want to promote anything tell us all the things
2: uh yeah i mean you can follow me on twitter and Instagram at I no longer have the blue check mark on Twitter because I'm not paying eight bucks a month for it. (laughs) Fuck that. But I do have it on Instagram. Um, Elon wants his money. (laughs) He did not cover me. Elon wants his (laughs) bottle, okay? (laughs) Big baby wants his boo-boo. Yeah, I I don't have anything to promote. Hopefully after this writer's strike. I mean, I do have some stuff in the works. Hopefully I can talk about it more. Further down Uh, the line, yeah. When I come back on maybe Yeah, in the we can have
1: you back on. We can do another Billy film or another Jack yeah. Lemon film. Just keep it keep the classics rolling. We can do apartment, although that doesn't sound very light.
0: We can um we can do one in person too. Paris yeah. can host or I can host. Oh yeah. 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 And, and we then we get a, real drunk with cocktails. David's yeah. working man, on getting I mean, us more. Man. Yeah. David's working on getting
1: it. us more sponsors. We did our hundredth episode. We had Fortaleza, Laser and we got very drunk on the podcast. So it's Ooh. very fun. I like
2: that.
1: But okay, so Everybody go watch Ratchet as well. I, yes. I'm gonna go watch it, and it's then still on there. Just I heard also, you. I heard
2: you don't like horror, though.
1: I am a bit of a wuss. I have to just maybe I could just text you privately and be like, "Tell me all the jump scares," <laughs> and then I'll watch it. I told him um, I'm trying
0: to get you to watch Event Horizon, and he's
1: like, "Damn,
0: throwing her right in the deep end." <laughs> yeah, so. I mean,
1: Scream was a lot for me. Okay, and I googled yeah. the spoilers. Um, yeah, I mean, I
2: will say one of my options that I threw out to you guys was The Exorcist. Yeah. And, uh, I'm sure David quickly. filtered it out. Yeah, yeah. I got three I choices going. and none of no, them. No, that, were that hard. was that was the three. That okay, was, that I was, was like yeah, three. fuck that noise. Um,
1: <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I've just recently been reading about how like people who are really afraid of jump scares it could be to do with their trauma. So it's actually a very sad story. You guys should be like, oh baby, well, little baby one. There who, there is a, a character. A sad there's sad to this. there's yeah. a
0: character in Ratchet that's similar. She has oh. some trauma and she. And she is a fantastic actor. I I wasn't, I want to
1: specify that I wasn't like beaten with like a rubber hose as a child. I just had like a volatile parent that, like, now apparently that can even subconsciously get you because I have such first world problems. But, anyways, um, I can't wait to watch it. And I can also just put it on mute and be like, that's, I know that guy. And you you, you
2: can at (laughs) at least. I appreciate the incredible set design and production yeah. value except the music is incredible too i mean okay, okay you should just watch it.
1: maybe i'll just <laughs> not be a pussy and grow up because i'm 30 <laughs> something years old and i should be able to watch tv because i also know you and i know it's not real but you know it's, it's not it's, it's hard um but now we need to decide whether or not this film has aged like milk so for a reminder if it has aged like milk it means it's gone bad in the mind fringe of your mind maybe gotten a little gross if it's fresh it still holds up today. David, why don't you give us the rundown?
0: Okay. I'm going to say this age is like a Manhattan drank out of what I think might be like a catheter or something like you pee in that they had. In uh, do you guys remember that? Catheter they, is when they go up inside a catheter, your dick sorry, and then um, you have to pee um, into like a bag, bag. Though, Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, so that's a that hot rubber, water bottle, I think. That's a hot water bottle? I don't know. Yeah, on the I, train.
1: A catheter yeah. would be like up in your groin. I thought it was
0: like, like somebody was <laughs> peeing in that. <laughs> Team, uh, it's like, I swear <laughs> you drink a man out of a catheter. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when you're in hospital after you had a yeah. deadly accident. It definitely like, looks like something medical, though, right? That, it's a hot, that hot. water bottle. Are you, okay, do Americans
1: well, not have that? I I,
0: I I haven't seen one in a hospital, what? but this is from it's the fifties. not from a right?
1: hospital. This is something you have at home for cramps. Maybe this is the problem. This is a a <laughs> thing that women have, you guys. It's for hot water bottle for when well, you see Korean.
0: This is why I love you, and this is why oh, we you, you know one of the reasons why I do this. Now I know that's not a catheter a peeing thing. It's <laughs> a but, rubber right. hot water. Bottle. So <laughs> I'm gonna say this age like drinking manhattans out of a rubber hot water thing Bottle, as paris would say waterfall. so it's like right it's it's it still tastes great shake it up you can go get some ice from the block in the back of the train and you're partying with your people it's fun you have a lot of laughs but there's maybe just a little bit of a rubber taste because right there we you know there's no from minorities the obviously in this yes exactly <laughs> um <laughs> no minorities in this movie um and there's I don't see, I don't know if like the ass grabby, like I thought it was intentional so that they could have like redeem themselves. So I wasn't mm-hmm. too upset about that either. So all around, like I was geeking out about this movie. It. I was in a good mood watching it. Um, I thought the acting was great. I thought the writing was great. I thought it moved well. Um, it's a two hour and 10 movie and I thought it, it felt like I was in there the whole time. Um, Maybe you know some of our Italian friends like would not like the way they they portrayed like some of the mafia members, but I think that was more like a caricature of you know the mafiosos, and the but over, yeah. yeah, yeah, but overall, I liked this movie a lot. um I had a great time watching it, and yeah, it was a lot of fun for me
1: nice assessment, so uh, i'm gonna
0: say I'm gonna say it held up as what. okay, yes. just my okay. final note, yes,
1: Evan, you have to follow that because you're the guest. All right. Uh, I would say it aged like
2: milk that you know is spoiled by a couple of days, but you just had a bunch of chocolate covered pretzels and you're really (laughs) craving milk. And so you drink it and you're bracing for the sickness that's going to follow. But then it doesn't come. And Mm. then you think maybe they got the date wrong and it wasn't really spoiled. And it had a weird taste, but you're like, it's
1: kind of good <laughs> I love that assessment that's, that's great, great. Yeah, very that creative great. Yeah. I'm gonna say this aged like a cheese that has mold on it similar situation to Evan where it's like is this the good kind of mold that you can eat and it's gonna be a delicious stinky block of cheese or is this gonna be like the bad kind that's like furry and you're like what did I just put on my tongue and then you're pleasantly surprised that it's just like a that delicious stilton you know that you found in the and you're like oh damn this is great and you put it on some crackers and then everyone's in your bunk having a party and then (laughs) you got to be careful not to wake up beanstalk and yeah good times (laughs) so i think that's fresh like surprisingly fresh potentially not fresh across the board but that's great
0: and can you can you make this movie today as is well, I think Evan, no, well, you, dude,
2: I mean, this is actually perfect timing for this because it is a Broadway show now.
0: Oh. Yeah, I saw and that,
2: it, yeah. and it actually just led Tony nominations, it got the most nominations. Yeah. And I know that they, they did change up quite a bit, mm-hmm. um, okay. where they kind of used the original concept more as a springboard. Um, so I think that kind of answers the question of like, yeah, you could do it, but you have to do it in in a very different way. Do they
1: keep it set in 1929? Do you know?
2: Yeah, they do. They keep it set in the 30s.
1: Because I think, you know, if you're asking, like, obviously, Evan answered the question, like, there's the Broadway version. Can you make this as a modern film where you have two, you know, that takes place in 2023? Yeah, yeah. I don't think you can. I don't think you can either. Because there's too much, you know, fight for the trans rights to, to have, like, two straight guys playing this role I think would be sort of where it was like helpful to the LGBTQ plus a community in the fifties and sixties would actually be setting the movement back in 2023. If I think, hmm. yeah, Evan's nodding too. I feel like,
2: yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, like I said, I, I think the way that they have approached it for Broadway and making it a very like diverse cast and, and hmm. using it just more as a springboard, I think is the only way you could really do it as like, if you're trying to do it as is like now, like now there's. Yeah. No but other I other mean,
0: way. through our conversation, we were saying that it wasn't like disparaging. It wasn't like punching down on that community at all either though. So yeah, I but mean, that's think, a good but that's thinking a good point, in terms but. of, of the, uh, like, I mean, I think people say that in terms of the time period mm,
2: context yeah. Yeah. of like the context of the time period of, of like, no, like, like that, was very you know empowering for them, but if you took that today, like that, I don't think it would have that same effect. It would it would feel like yeah you're going more back
0: I'd be curious to see yeah someone from that community how they feel about it. Being that it's like it's I didn't feel it came off hateful at all, right? None of it. Yeah, did. no, not at all. And yeah, so yeah, that's interesting.
1: We're gonna do a catheter version where everyone has a catheter <laughs> and they're hooked up to a hospital, and you can only go like five feet, so that Italian Aaron, guys you, get you Aaron, right did away. Did you
0: know what that was? Did I you know no it was a hot idea. water bottle?
1: I've, I don't but know. Do you, I've never heard of a hot okay, water bottle. Stop. <laughs> yeah, stop. When, I stop.
0: Think
2: of, when I think of a
1: catheter, <laughs> I think of a, a pee
2: bag. I thought it was a pee bag.
1: I thought it was a pee bag. Did you think it was a catheter or you just had no clue what it was? No, but a catheter, you
2: pee in it, and it collects in a bag, right? Yeah, but it's I thought the rubber into thing into was that. You. Bag. It's
1: like inserted into yeah, you. Yeah,
0: the whole bag okay, isn't well, well, is it. A hose is the whole, whole bag is into inserted into yeah, no, you, no, you? Yeah, and then you pee just into, into a it bag. A it's just,
1: it's just, it's like just hanging dog, off your. Cl- yeah,
2: it's just clipped <laughs>
1: on your belt. it's like It's
0: fashion. Yeah. It's
1: fashion. The Met Gala fashion yeah. next year is it's hospital Jared Leto, chic. Jared yeah.
0: Leto is going to work. He's going to be a catheter. For- it's just pure
1: vodka, just going the <laughs> other way into him, and he's having a great time. All right, well, this. Okay. D- David, the rails. we're
2: all, we're all, we're going to get there one day. We're where yeah. that's going to be us. So I'm in. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh my god! I can't wait to see what you guys wear. I'm stoked. Um, I'll be the cockroach on the carpet. Um, anyway. Evan such a pleasure to have you on the podcast thank you so much for spending time with us Uh, please go follow him and stay tuned for more fun movies where we decide if it has aged like milk or not David you should just go ahead and check your fridge
0: and make sure that milk ain't spoiled gross milk is gross that's our show
1: thank you so much and support the WGA bye